1: 2020 bringing a biblical perspective on life culture and current events weekdays on ucb's vision radio network find out more at vision.org.au
0: graham let me come to you first uh we did an update oh i can't think when it was must be i think earlier this year and uh talking about these issues uh there you are standing on street corners uh, or on the steps of abortion clinics in various states around Australia, and you've been arrested uh, countless times now. You've been jailed six times, and whenever I tell this story, no one can believe that Australian people get jailed because they simply stand up for a uh, what we would consider a right of free speech, being able to speak on behalf of the unborn, uh, usually because you're... Uh, protesting in such a way as uh, you're accused of uh, someone who's trespassing. Uh, But I'll get to those sorts of things, and we'll talk through some of these issues through the hour. But uh, this latest arrest, this happened the 14th of March? April. uh, April, 14th of April, just a couple of weeks ago. Yes. uh, Jailed six times, arrested so many times you've lost count. Tell us about the latest incident.
2: Well, this time it was a follow-up to what happened last year, uh, at the end of 2013, Tasmania passed a law that made it an offence to say anything against abortion within within 150 metres of anywhere where abortions are done. And so, last March, I went and stood outside the doors of two abortion clinics in Hobart and was arrested. There was a subsequently there was a hearing in September, and the police offered no evidence at that hearing. That meant that the law stayed as it was and it was still in place. And so we believed that it was necessary in order to just stand up for the right to freedom of speech, to be able to speak against this, to be able to offer to help people to going into an abortion clinic, that we needed to challenge the law again. So I did go back down at, uh, on uh, in April and stood outside. One of the abortion clinics actually has closed during the interim in Hobart, but there is still one left there. And uh, I stood near the entrance to that uh, abortion clinic with a couple of other people. And um, because we were only less than 10 metres from the door rather than 150 metres away, the police came, told us we would have to move. We said no, and so we were arrested.
0: Now, technically, you were breaking the law because the law says you can't be closer than one hundred and fifty meters, so you're only ten meters from the entrance. so technically, you're breaking the law and you know that you are breaking the law. But in large for us,, yes. what is so offensive about the sign that you are carrying? Uh, and about perhaps the conversations that you might have engaging with people uh, outside of these clinics. What is it in your mind uh, that makes it so offensive that you need to be arrested and
2: that six times you've been thrown into jail? Well, it's two things there, Neil. Uh, Firstly, we are going to be arguing when this goes to court that the Tasmanian law is unconstitutional, that... The Australian Constitution has an implied right of freedom of speech. This has been challenged previously in the High Court of Australia, in other sorts of cases, and we believe that this is going to be applicable in this instance as well. That we, the, the Australian Government, the Australian Constitution does not suppress our freedom to express opinions publicly, and so that's why we're uh, going to take this, hopefully, to the High Court. And have this challenged right to that level and have the Tasmanian law overturned. And if we're successful, then there will not be no court case against us. But the particular signs I was holding on that day, or we were holding, just said, uh, quoted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Article 3 of that declaration says, everyone has the right to life. And another person had a sign that quoted the Universal, uh, sorry, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, which says that every child has the right to life. And we were holding a picture of an eight-week-old preborn baby. So they were the signs that we were holding, and we were being told that, no, you can't quote those documents in public within 150 metres of an abortion clinic.
0: Graham, let's get a little bit of context here, because this latest arrest was in Tasmania. Yes. Uh, whenever I talk to uh, people who are concerned about the laws as they stand in Australia, they always describe Victoria as having the worst uh, hum- uh the worst uh, abortion laws in the country and some people say these are the worst abortion laws in the world uh what are your thoughts on where Tasmania stands in the context of uh, what people might understand about Victoria and and of course you're a Queenslander uh what are things like back in your home state right. and uh, and what about uh, other states around the country I mean just give it some context here yes
2: yes in terms of the actual law relating to abortion directly Victoria is the worst because They allow abortions to be done up to 24 weeks without any reason needing to be given. You just say you want it and you've got to be given it. And then it can be done up to birth so long as two doctors agree to do it. And so most abortion clinics have two doctors. So effectively, if the abortionists are willing to do it, you can have an abortion up to birth just on demand as long as you can pay for it. In Tasmania, they changed their law to make it up to 16 weeks. Abortions can be done on demand and then also up to birth if two doctors agree to do it. And so in one sense, the Victorian law is worse in that regard. But what makes the Tasmanian law more problematic is that no other legislation, legislature in Australia has this bubble zone of 150 metres around an abortion clinic that prevents you being able to say anything against it. And so it's quite unique. There's no other law like this in Australia. Even the uh, Australian Human Rights Commissioner has described it as an egregious law. And uh, so it is a very disturbing law to say that you can't comment about it, you can't be there offering help to people going in. Uh, And so that's why we want to challenge this because there are people around the country who do go outside abortion clinics, offer help to people, and some people do change their minds. There are children alive today because somebody has been there and they have had the opportunity to be given help and accept help And so they have not gone ahead with it. And so we see this as extremely concerning that that people are being prevented in Tasmania from even doing that, being able to offer help outside abortion clinics. And once this was brought into Tasmania, we believed that it was only going to be a matter of time before other states would try doing the same thing, introducing a similar law. And just four days before I went to Hobart in April... I received a call from uh, Canberra, from a pro-life down there, telling us that the justice minister in in the ACT has said that he's going to introduce the same sort of law in the ACT as they have in Tasmania of a 150 metre bubble zone, and so it became all the more urgent that the Tasmanian law is challenged and shown to be unconstitutional, so as to deter other legislatures from copying the same law.
0: And we'll talk some more about that uh, legal challenge uh, that you're hoping to launch uh, as we go through this hour. Our special guests this hour, Graham and Liz Preston. Liz joining us uh, for the first time, and we're going to be talking about her work with the Priceless Life Centre, that Priceless Life Centre based in Brisbane. Uh, You might like to contribute to our conversation today. Uh, We're talking with Graham Preston, who has been arrested more times than he can remember jailed six times Uh, you might like to contribute to our conversation today how would you handle uh, being abused on the street if you were standing there holding a placard uh, being someone who was standing up for the rights of the unborn or uh, how would you handle being arrested how would you be prepared to put your physical safety on the line And I think it's when it comes to physical safety, it's probably not so much the police you've got to worry about, Graham, but there are some very passionate uh, pro-choice people who are pro-abortion who actually uh, see you as a fairly easy target and like to to launch their own attacks on you.
2: Yes. Well, uh, first off, I would just suggest not using the term pro-choice. I mean, just about all of us are pro-choice on just about everything except certain things. And even the people who are pro-choice for abortion are pro-choice about rape. And so they have their limits of what they believe people should be allowed to choose also. And so I always discourage people describing them as pro-choice because they aren't pro-choice about everything. They just want to be allowed to choose to be able to win children's lives. But, um, yes, certainly while I was in Tasmania this time uh, and previously, uh, people didn't like to have their law challenged by somebody. And so they did show it by... On a number of occasions, people throwing drinks and drink containers at me as I stood on the roadside. Uh, A number of people came up to me and threatened violence towards me. Uh, But there were those who also came up and shook my hand and said, uh, yes, I agree with you and wanted to stand with me. And so that was very encouraging as well.
0: Okay, so asking listeners, uh, be part of our conversation today. Our talkback line open on one 316 316. How would you handle abuse on the streets or arrest? Uh, are you prepared to put your physical safety on the line? Would you be prepared to go to jail? Uh, standing up for a Christian principle, the sanctity of human life, that even children before they're born have rights. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 is our number. You can be a part of our Talkback Conversation today. Uh, Liz Preston, uh, this latest arrest a couple of weeks ago, uh, you almost didn't have Graham home for your wedding anniversary.
1: That's right, yes. How did you feel about
2: that? Uh, well... <laughs>
1: Over the years, a couple of times he has been away for our wedding anniversary, but uh, that hasn't been a huge cross to bear in some ways because uh, when we decided that we would be going down this path, we realised there would be a few sacrifices to make along the way.
0: Well, the sacrifices you've made, uh, you have seen your husband jailed six times, and uh, we're talking about a a period of time that totals around about 18 months. You've had to do without your husband because he's been put in jail. How have you handled all of that?
1: Well, I'm really glad you've invited me along today because I think it's very important that people hear from uh, my side and particularly thinking about the family side of things because it, it is the case that this is something that we've, both Graham and I, have gone into together and, um, we individually had to decide whether we were prepared to go down this path um, and then we had to decide together about that. So it has been a, a, a challenge, that's, that's for sure, and I wouldn't want people to think that it was um, anything less than that. But by the same token, when we became challenged about this whole issue of the rights of those children whose lives are being taken... We realised that this is a huge, it is a huge issue and something that we as Christians couldn't walk away from and we realised too that if we were going to make a stand it would be something that would be um, potentially quite costly. Uh, speaking personally, um, it was from the, our beginning in, in our involvement in making taking a stand, if you want to call it that, Uh, we have done quite a few different things over the years and it has been um, a a step-by-step process. So from the very beginning, although we did have an inkling that uh, this sort of outcome of perhaps jail might be in the future, it wasn't something that we, or personally I didn't um, uh, come to terms with, um, from the very beginning but as time went by I I really had a sense that um, there was something more that God was asking of me So the years went by, we did various uh, different activities including setting up the work of the Priceless Life Centre which was um, initially called the Pregnancy Problem Centre um, and then probably, um, let's see, about 15 years ago Um, God really challenged us again about our preparedness for another step, which was involving the rescues and sit-ins at the abortion clinic. And it was a a bit of a wrestle, a personal wrestle, to try and work out was I prepared for that as a, a wife and as a mother of our growing family. And I do still remember the day that I said to God, yes, okay, I am prepared to trust you in this to go this far.
0: Let me ask you: How do you hear from God that you are going to put all of these things on the line and ta- take these risks? Uh, you know, the risk of your husband going to jail, uh, all of these challenges. So what do you, what do you hear when you hear that voice of God? The uh, you know, the Holy Spirit gets your attention. How does that How does that work, Liz?
1: Well, for me, in this circumstance, it was quite uh, particular uh, in a challenge, I guess, to listen to my own words. We were saying that we believed children were being children's lives were being taken, but when I looked at our lives, even though we had made a considerable number of sacrifices to be involved, it wasn't really adding up. I didn't have that sense of, uh, if you looked at my life of of the um, urgency of the moment. So it was listening to my own words. It was also a a sense of there is something more, which is a bit hard to put into words. Um, And then no voices necessarily, but just this sense of, am I prepared to trust God this little bit more, this little bit more, and to this level? So it's like an inner conviction, yes. That,
0: uh, that you know you have to stand up here, and mm. uh, the fact that you do this alongside your husband—that's uh, mm. a—that's a powerful thing too. Because mm. if you were doing this on your own, uh, it might be quite a challenge.
1: Yes. However, having said that, I do—I did experience what I believe to be, um, a, a, an um, a godly peace when I said yes. And that piece has sustained me during the times when Graham's been in jail in a way that has, even though there've been <laughs> quite a lot of, um, quite a lot of different things have happened and it's been sort of, if you looked at the outside of life, quite a turbulent time underneath was a deep sense that it's okay, God's um, sustaining us and this is the right way to go.
0: Our two special guests this hour, Graham and Liz Preston, pro-life campaigners. Graham's been jailed six times, arrested more times than he can remember. Liz is the president and is the counselling manager at the Priceless Life Centre in Brisbane. We're talking about uh, how to, well, I guess, uh, sustain uh, the challenges that come along the way when you are a pro-life campaigner. You can be a part of our conversation today, one 800 three six 316 plenty more to talk about as we talk about the latest arrest that happened to graham just two weeks ago in tasmania and uh, we're going to talk about a vision listener too who in fact made contact with graham after our last conversation and stood alongside him on the streets in tasmania we'll talk about that in just a short while it's neil with you 2020 graham and liz preston our guests pro-life campaigners uh, Liz is the president and the counselling manager of a organisation called the Priceless Life Centre in Brisbane. Graham Preston has been jailed six times in Australia for his stance on these pro-life issues and he does that because of his Christian conviction. Uh, you can be a part of our conversation today, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to participate in this uh, conversation. We're talking about pro-life issues today. Let's hear from Trevor. Trevor is in Brisbane. Hello, Trevor. Welcome along to 2020. H-
3: Hello. Uh, uh, Matt, um, I'd just like to commend um, uh, Graham and Liz um, and, and yourself and the show um, and, and uh, UCB, the Christian Broadcasting. It's just a, a wonderful uh, station to listen to. Um, I've stumbled across it some time back, and I'm just so happy I have it on 24-7 with so many things. But I just want to commend these guys. I was aware of these guys. Um, um, Matter of fact, I worked at Zaps up the road from Greenslopes. Um, There was an abortion clinic there, and I often used to drive past when I was working, driving a client's car or what have you, Um, and uh, I'd see the group outside that clinic. Um, I don't know if the clinic's still open, but um, I, they they made a a, a big noise and um, I think they must have got somewhere with it. Um, but uh, it was just tremendous to see that sort of thing uh, happening and uh, to see to hear that they're still doing it and going through so much um, is a, is a testimony in itself.
2: Well sadly, Trevor, that uh, abortion clinic is still open. I, I regularly go there, but usually there by myself. But uh, that opened, it was the first one in Queensland, opened in 1979 and mm. has been continuously open, uh, what's that, uh, 36 years. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a whole generation or two generations now of children that have been taken there to have their lives entered. So it's a, it's a sad thing, but it, yes, and and even and worse is that that one's been joined by four others in Brisbane. So there's five of them now in yeah. Brisbane. Yeah.
3: Well, I can add to that because um, I had a friend um, and she got pregnant um, And she was happy to have the baby, but a lot of people involved, um, got involved and talked her out of it. And um, she was so sad. And after that, um, she went out and got herself pregnant again to have a child. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, the sad thing was that, um, you know, um, the the first baby uh, could be here today only for... um, You know, people's involvement in these clinics
0: and the like. Trevor, I'd love to get Liz's response to those things you're sharing now. Liz, what are your thoughts on what Trevor's sharing?
1: Yes, it is not an uncommon thing for people who go ahead and have um, a termination of pregnancy, especially if they didn't really want to, to very shortly afterwards um, have another baby. Um, Sadly, in many cases, not. It doesn't sound like in your friend's case, thankfully, but even those children sometimes um, are aborted. So this is uh, recognised as a bit of a replacement child um, response. Um, And, yes, it isn't um, uncommon to hear that kind of story.
0: Trevor from Brisbane, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. You can be a part of our conversation, our telephone number 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to contribute to our discussion today. We are talking pro-life issues. Our two special guests, Graham and Liz Preston, pro-life campaigners. Uh, Let me just ask you something a little further on that, Liz. Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it uh, just the sense of hurt and loss? Uh, that when you say that uh, women who often go through abortion uh, very quickly fall pregnant again uh, afterwards, uh, what, what is, what's going through the minds of those women in your, uh, in your understanding?
1: Yes, well, I'd say it's a very complex um, set of, of circumstances that would lead to the way that people respond afterwards. Sometimes we hear that the most common response after having an abortion is relief, And in the short term, that can be the case, that people can be very uh, soon afterwards and as they leave uh, the premises, very relieved that their circumstances have been, what you might call, resolved. However, for those people who study the response after abortion, they say that you must take um, talk to people five, ten, even twenty years later when the... Outcomes for post abortion grief can be seen more clearly, and they are things such as um, uh, relationships in strife, uh, substance abuse issues, um, maybe even fertility issues, all sorts of things that have been recognized as part of uh, um, recovery or people's reaction after abortion. It's a very complex. scenario and um people are different that's that is for sure but there are there is um becoming more evident the um outcomes of negative particularly psychological implications for women but also for men after abortion that are very concerning for our mental health of our our, our communities um yes so
0: You can be part of our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Graham and Liz Preston, our guests. Uh, Graham, this whole idea of uh, these effects from abortion uh, coming, you know, 20, 30 years later, uh, we're talking about here the lives of people, not just the unborn, affected by all of these challenges that come with abortion. Um, any any light at the end of the tunnel? Do you do you lay awake in bed at night thinking uh, there's some hope here? I've just got to keep – I'm just going to get out on the street one more time. Uh, something's going to happen. There's going to be a breakthrough.
2: Yeah, well, you always aim for that because if you didn't believe that at least individuals' lives could be changed and lives saved, you wouldn't continue but you also want to have a bigger picture and hope to see ultimately a change in the attitude of our society as a whole. And you look back and you see that at one time many people thought that slavery was a legitimate thing to be able to do. Now you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who would say, oh yeah, slavery is fine and we ought to have it again. It is possible for changes in society to happen like that and that's what ultimately we want to see, that not people not having abortions because the law stops them, but because we realise that how could it be fair and just to end the life of a child? And everybody is abhorred by that idea, as people used to be in the past. Not that long ago, almost everybody thought abortion was a terrible thing. And it's sad that in just 30, 40 years that we have moved from where almost everybody believed it was wrong and shouldn't happen to most people now, would say yes, certainly uh, under many circumstances they believe it is legitimate. And so that's what keeps us going, that we believe that people ourselves need to be speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. And as you pointed out, we are not just simply concerned for the child, we are concerned for their mother, their fa- the father of the child, the grandparents, siblings, because... As we often say, everybody loses when it comes to abortion. There are no winners out of it at all. It hurts everybody around. And uh, so for the benefit of everyone, we believe that this must be stopped.
0: Now, last time when you were on the streets in Tasmania, this is just two weeks ago. Uh, let me just hearken back to you received a call while we were doing a talkback conversation like this uh, from a lady named Penny. Uh, Penny and her husband Ray joined you on the street. Tell us uh, the story of that connection and uh, and what happened when you were standing on the streets there in Tasmania.
2: Yes, uh, I think it was in February I was on last and uh, we talked about the upcoming intention to go to Tasmania and one of your callers was Penny and, uh, and she rang and uh, talked to us and it was great to hear from her but I thought perhaps that might be the end of it, just a, a conversation over the radio but she ran the station left her details when I contacted her she said yes certainly she would be prepared to stand with me and not just her but her husband as well and uh, so it was certainly a big encouragement because when I went last in March of 2014 I was largely on my own and the only person willing to risk getting arrested Uh, there were others though that came along in support at different times but uh, Penny and Ray said no they were prepared to risk being arrested also this time and so that was certainly a big encouragement to have them present with me uh, two weeks ago and um penny herself who suffers from some disabilities yet very bravely uh was prepared to look beyond those her own situation to care about others and um so that particular morning we arrived at about quarter to eight in the morning outside the clinic and uh The police arrived only about half an hour later and told us that we would have to move and we explained to them, well, no, we weren't willing to move. It was important that people be there and even if they were going to arrest us. And so they were taken off and arrested as I was.
0: Talking pro-life issues today, Graham and Liz Preston, our guests, pro-life campaigners. Graham's been jailed six times because of his passion for standing up for the unborn. You can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Let's take some calls. Cathy is in Adelaide. Hello, Cathy. Welcome along to 2020. Cathy, are you with us? Cathy, have we got Sue? Sue is in Brisbane. Hello. Hello, Sue.
4: Um, yeah. Have well, I got Sue
0: or Kathy? Is this um, Sue? <laughs> well,
4: I'm not using my real name. <laughs> okay, anyway,
0: that's fine. So. All right. Well, now, what? Um, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, what it is is I'm not actually bringing up. Um, I'm bringing up more on the side of like, well, what happened yesterday with me and my friend about standing up for righteousness, standing up for righteousness in this nation. And that's what the Lord has commanded. And that's what these precious people are doing. And they're doing it at the, you know, like... Um, it's it's a very godly thing to do, and yet you've got to have the courage and the Holy Spirit to do it, and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And God commands us to stand up when a flood of evil comes in, for the, to lift up a righteous standard against the evil tide. And you know, like just for instance, just to, to stand with my uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord that are doing this. Like yesterday. We went out, because I was sick on Anzac Day, and I had all these beautiful pictures to give out to the Anzacs, you know, with scripture on it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful pictures that this man makes, and they're very beautiful, and they've just got the beautiful flowers on them, the poppy, and we went to go with my dear friend, who's a very godly, Christian, God-fearing lady. We went to, um, we've been giving them out, Um, It was a day late, but I went to one of the RSL clubs, Mm -hmm. and previously, a couple of years before, they were quite happy to receive the pictures, and um, yesterday, as this uh, gentleman and his wife have been saying about the persecution for righteousness' sakes, for standing up for the unborn and the helpless, as it says in the Word of God, well we were just standing up for right, just trying to hand out these beautiful messages to encourage him to bring people back to Jesus. And actually what happened was we were handing them out and then all of a sudden this man got me and dropped, made me go straight with him into the club, which we weren't in the club. And uh, I'm not a member of any of those clubs. but And anyway, he must have taken me to the manager. It must have been the manager or the you know, the the big manager that's managing the place and all of a sudden then my friend just walked in when I walked in, she was talking to people that were sitting down. We were very So
0: what you're saying is people dressed. have become very suspicious of anyone who's oh, handing out anything and really and standing really up really for righteousness.
4: Heavy. He got really heavy and it got so heavy that he kept ordering me to stop my friend talking to anyone or he'll have to remove her. Then it got really heavy.
0: Okay, let's hear from Graham and from Liz about uh, about this sort of thing, people heavying you. Now, you've been manhandled numerous times, Graham. How does that feel?
2: Uh, yes, well, uh, certainly it's not a pleasant experience, but uh, I think that's the issue that we've got to determine how important it is what we're doing if we believe it is of God and that it really matters. We've got to be prepared to except that others will disagree with us and disagree strongly. And how we handle that is the key to whether or not we will persevere. Uh, If it's a surprise to us that people oppose us and challenge us, then we will probably just back away. But uh, I think we need to be willing to say, well, as Jesus said, just as he was opposed, then those who follow him will be opposed also. So it shouldn't surprise us. It doesn't make it nice, but at the same time we have to be prepared to hang in there because I think that's the only way that we will see things change is that we just don't give up. And as I say, you never lose until you give up. And with God's strength, we must be prepared to just stay there and hold our ground and continue regardless of what is done.
0: We're not used to persecution in Australia, so standing up for righteousness does have a price tag. There are consequences. Not everyone will be so tolerant. Uh, People will be suspicious of you, and uh, you're walking examples of that. Thank you so much to Sue from Brisbane for being part of uh, 2020 today. Let's hear from Trevor, uh, who's also in Brisbane. Hello, Trevor. Welcome along to 2020. No, we don't have Trevor. Let's try Phil in Albany in WA. Phil
3: yeah good morning. How are you going?
0: Very good, Phil. What are your thoughts on what we're talking about today?
3: Well, I was watching the news yesterday and I saw the Prime Minister um saying how Australians abhor the death sentence, and I was just thinking of the hypocrisy of it when really we're giving these kids the death sentence.
0: Uh, Graham?
2: Ah yes, well, I certainly agree with you, Phil, and that's one of the signs that we use. It says no death no death penalty for babies. And people sort of look at it twice and think, what do you mean? And then they see the picture of the unborn baby. And it really cuts the ground out from under their feet because, well, you're quite right. It is effectively a death sentence that we are giving them. And uh, there is all the time these sorts of double standards that our society has where we will say we believe one thing. And yet when it comes to abortion, we're prepared to make an exception and that's what we are encouraging our society to do, to face up to the double standards that we have. That's why we use things like the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, even though it's a secular document. Our society says, well, we respect that document and we regard it as representing the values that Australia is wanting to stand by, and yet we're not. We uh, completely ignore it because it is a pro-life document that does recognise the value of all human life, as it says in its preamble. And so... Uh, we are just simply trying to point out to our society that we are living a double standard and if we're not going to be hypocritical, we've got to be prepared to face up to the willingness to discriminate against a whole section of humanity, the unborn children.
0: Phil from WA, thanks so much for being part of 2020. Liz, this is something you come across uh, regularly. Uh, There's this sort of idea that when you're carrying a child, it's not really a baby. This is something that, uh, you know, you're a mother, you've, you've carried children. Uh, tell us how this sort of confusion seems to creep into people's logic.
1: Yes, I think it is very clear that um, the really telling question is, do I want this child, not is this a child? Uh, well, that may be a, a confusion in, in people's minds, but it's really more about the wanting of the child or the expectedness of the child that becomes the main Player in trying to in people trying to make up their minds what they're doing, and uh, what they're going to do if they find themselves unexpectedly pregnant. So certainly in the counselling um, area, this is um, what we what we see. But we need to, and, and I probably need to just make make it clear that um, the Priceless Life Centre is uh, another organ, different organisation. It's not um, associated uh, formally with any other pro life or pro uh, Christian group. It's uh, quite separate, but it uh, is founded on um, Christian life-affirming principles. Uh, But our main um, emphasis is on offering people um, a real choice so that they can make decisions in an unhurried way with, with good information and the opportunity to know that if they are unsupported, that there are ways that they can find support through the work that we do. And um, so it is a separate organisation, but it is part of of the big picture in terms of my involvement.
0: Liz, your Priceless Life Centre is based in Brisbane in Queensland. Any plans to extend around different cities around Australia?
1: Well, we we do network with a whole group of similar agencies through the work of Pregnancy Help Australia and... um, as a, um, an agency, we can network in and, and help people find support in their states, whether it's in Western Australia or any of the states and territories in Australia. Um, but interesting, you should ask that question, though, because we are looking at, at um, setting up some different centres, but that's all uh, in the process at the moment one eight hundred
0: three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation, how would you handle abuse on the streets or arrest? Uh, would you be prepared to put your physical safety on the line? one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Katie is in Caniva. Hello, Katie. Welcome along to 2020.
5: Uh, hi, Neil and Graham and Liz. I, my signal doesn't drop out because this phone signal drops out sometimes. But Need to be I just quick wanted too, to really commend... Um, what you're doing, I think that you people are heroes. And I'm actually 45, and I had I was pushed into two abortions as a young person by my family, um, actually by my grandmother and my father. I know they won't be listening because they're not Christians. Um, my grandmother's passed away, but um, I was 15 years old, and I wanted to keep the baby, and I went to. Um, you know, the um hospital and the nurses and everything and I said to one of the nurses oh my baby and she said "I oh, know. it's not really a baby it's just a piece of meat and I have I've been a Christian for 20 years now and I've got four children and it's actually been my dream for many years to set up something like what you're doing I didn't actually realise that there were already people doing it that can actually go to you know, people that are about to um, abortion and don't feel that they've got any other choice. Mm. Um, Yeah, get help and and, and offer help, sorry. And I'm actually engaged at the moment. I've got my own
0: struggle still. Katie, we're going to put you on hold in just a few moments and get your details to pass on to Liz. Uh, But Liz, uh, is this something that's typical? Uh, Families that uh, put lots of pressure on young women in particular who fall pregnant.
1: Yes, that's true, and it's not just young women; it's all different aged women now who find pressure from others is a huge issue when they're trying to make up their mind what they want to do. And for particularly for younger women, that support that they should that they look for from their family, if it's not there, it is it is a big um, problem for them in trying to work out what they're going to do. But also, can I just mention that the whole area of um, abortion grief is a huge um, area of concern to us because we live in a country where about 100,000 women have abortions each year and the implication, indications are that a significant number will be um, impacted in such a negative way that they need to receive mental health assistance and we want to be part of that as well through the Priceless Life Centre. In fact, we do have a number of ways that we can help people who've um, been impacted negatively, not just women but others as well, uh, through having an abortion or being involved in an abortion decision. And so we would really encourage people who might be in that sort of circumstance as well to look for support. You can contact us through our website or our helpline and uh, we will certainly do all that we can to assist because I think this is going to be a huge tired of, of grief that's going to continue in our country and around the world um, as people do recover from their experience. Katie, I'll put
0: you back on hold and we'll get your details and pass those on to Graham and Liz. Uh, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, we're talking pro-life issues. Uh, let's take a call from Cathy in Adelaide. Hello, Cathy. Welcome along to 2020
5: you can hear me all right.
0: Yes, we'll need to be quick though, Cathy.
5: Certainly, okay. I just wanted to thank Graham and Liz for the super work that they're doing. Uh, I'm, I'm a GP here in Adelaide, and um, I, I see the other end of uh, you know, patients who come in uh, very confused, and well, you can see the grief that people suffer after making the wrong decisions uh, because of uh, wrong information being given to them. And uh, of uh, in, in my own very area, a paper that originated written in, in my Asian ministries' uh, creation, and it's a topic which is quite fascinating about fetal mums, where um, bits of fetal DNA get embedded in mum.
0: Kathy, you're breaking up and uh, not so easy to hear. We've picked up some of those oh, things. Just uh, let us uh, hear from Graham. Uh, Graham, when you've got uh, professional people, GPs, who are saying, you know, what you're doing is fabulous, is there, uh, well, just first of all, any thoughts on what you could, uh, you could pick up from Kathy?
2: Oh, well, I mean, I'm very pleased to hear our GP calling in because this to me is one of the tragedies that there aren't more Christian doctors who are willing to speak up on behalf of the unborn children Uh, doctors have a lot of respect in our society and the very fact that uh, doctors aren't coming out en masse and saying, well, you know, we know from our professional work that uh, abortion is taking the life of a child. If that were to happen, I think that would have a huge impact on our society. So I would encourage Cathy and any other Christian GPs out there to be prepared to come out and say where they stand on this because um, it would help enormously to have... uh, professional medical people speaking up in support of the unborn children.
0: Kathy from Adelaide, thanks for your input here today on 2020.
2: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events.
0: Talking pro-life issues this hour, Graham and Liz Preston, our guests, and uh, Liz, the President and the Counselling Manager of the Priceless Life Centre in Brisbane, uh, running short of time, heading up to the news. Uh, Graham, let me ask you about the Walk for Little Feet that's coming up because this is an opportunity for people uh, to be participants in something that does make a very loud statement about pro-life issues.
2: Yes, certainly. Uh, many people are hesitant to think about standing outside the abortion clinics or they don't have the opportunity or the time to do so. But the annual Walk for Little Feet on a Saturday does give people the chance to come out and show where they stand. And so we would invite all the pro-life people in uh, South East Queensland to make the effort on May the 30th to join us. Uh, we, it's only a short walk, nine kilometres from one abortion clinic into the Parliament House. And so we would encourage anybody who can to join us. There's a similar walk over three days in Victoria, I would mention as well, on that same weekend, so they could contact Right to Life Australia to get those details. Uh,
0: that's Saturday
2: the 30th of May,
0: and there are similar events in other capital cities Well, in Victoria
2: towns? on that same weekend, they have a three-day walk, uh, and they could contact Right to Life Australia to get those details. But uh, yes, there are similar sorts of events, but that's the particular one for Brisbane now on May 30th.
0: Uh, How would you find out about these sorts of events? I guess you've got to visit some of the websites of uh, various pro-life organisations.
2: Yes, I would suggest people in each state to uh, contact the pro-life group in their state or groups and just find out what is happening. Go onto a mailing list so they can be kept in touch and be able to be involved so they can be involved when they can.
0: Uh, Liz, just quickly on the Priceless Life Centre that's in Brisbane, and uh, we talked about uh, other centres potentially opening and uh, ones that are similar in nature that are happening around the the nation, uh, your encouragement to people to be in touch with a centre like yours Mm. if you're going through some of these challenges with an unwanted pregnancy?
1: Yes, certainly for people who are facing difficulties or have had abortion experiences, these organisations are there for you. But also, all these organisations r- rely heavily on people of goodwill to to help them functioning. So, even if you have an interest in being involved in such a, an organisation like the Priceless Life Centre, then you'd be very um, welcome, I'm sure, by any agencies in, in any of the states. And they're listed on the Pregnancy Help Australia website, which I could give you if you like. Uh, sure. Or...
0: Let's uh, let's go through uh, some some special websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, that people can get some more detail. Uh, you, uh, we'll, we'll talk about your own websites too, so yep. uh, just give a moment for... It's, well, people got pencils in hand. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us with a few important websites.
1: Well, the, uh, the um, Priceless Life Centre website is pricelesslifecentre.org.au. That's in Brisbane. But for information around the States, you can go to um, Pregnancy Help Australia's website, which is au.
0: Okay, and uh, Graham, your next uh, endeavours, uh, we talked about the uh, the walk for little feet. Uh, when are you due to be
2: sort of out on the streets again, the risking arrest? Oh, well, <laughs> risking arrest, So that's an interesting one because uh, I've previously spoken about how I was arrested a number of times outside the Wollongabba abortion clinic simply for standing on the footpath. And four times, in fact, and each time the police dropped those charges, and that was the last, most recent one was in October, and I thought they, and since then they haven't been coming and telling me to move on, except for the last time I was there before I went to Tasmania, the police did come again. Now they came, went into the clinic, came out, and spoke to me, but they didn't give me on a move on direction. But uh, it makes me wonder if they are planning to give me further move on directions there. So as far as that goes, I don't know when I might be arrested next. But at this stage, we are trying to see how things develop with this uh, constitutional challenge in Tasmania. It gets very complicated if you have multiple court cases going at once. And so for the time being, I'm going to be dealing with that one. But uh, I certainly will be outside the clinics here in Brisbane as of tomorrow morning.
0: And I guess it's important to realise that the police are just doing their job. Uh, the big challenge is changing the laws so that the police can uh, not be uh, so harsh in the way that you are arrested. Uh, time has run out. Uh, Graham and Liz Preston and uh, contact the Priceless Life Centre uh, to be in touch with Graham and Liz. To both of you, thanks so much for being with us on 2020.
2: Thanks, Neil.
1: Thank you very much.